0: All right. What a blessing to be here. I appreciate you continuing to come out. I don't know that uh, nowadays it's a pretty much a miracle when individuals continue to come uh, anywhere, let alone to church. And so you need to give yourself a little bit of an attaboy for being willing to continue to come to church. You live in a spiritually dry time. And a lot of people don't recognize how dry things are and how difficult things are and how much the world is set up in an effort to try to drain you emotionally and to try to drain you spiritually so that by the time you do have the time to set aside to do something for the Lord, you don't have any energy left. And if you watch the news and things like that, that whole deal is set up to drain you emotionally, to get you uh, anxiety and get you worked up and get you jacked up about what they Uh, perceive is going to occur. I mean, they've been talking about things like this for years and years and years of what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. Now, I can prophesy to you tonight according to what the Bible says. When I prophesy, I don't mean I roll my eyes back in my head and then I begin to say uh, crazy things and do like Gene Dixon used to do for some of you older folks and look into the eyes of a boa constrictor and get uh, prophetic events. You know, some Hollywood star is going to get a divorce this year or somebody's going to die or something like that. Prophecy according to the Bible is, is when you predict what God says is going to happen in the future. Like if you're saved, you go to heaven. If you're lost, you go to hell. Uh, If you're saved, you go to the judgment seat of Christ, not the great white throne. If you're saved after the judgment seat of Christ, while the tribulation is going on down here, I'm still pre-tribulation. I'm still, we're going out before the tribulation occurred. Doesn't mean we won't have tribulation, but a lot of guys are abandoning their position. You don't abandon your position just because of your circumstances. The Bible's true. You're still going out of here. When it comes to that, you're not going to be here. You don't have to worry about the vaccine being the mark of the beast. You don't have to worry about your driver's license being the number of the beast or your car tag and all that sovereign citizen foolishness. You don't have to worry about all that kind of stuff. You say, why? You're saved, you're going to heaven. And You say, when's the Lord going to get you? Soon, I hope. Every time I say that, I wish he would just just stop right there and just take us right out right then. And, And then I could just say, told you, you know, kind of a thing. I think the Lord's trick on the church will be in the last days, he'll come on a Sunday night. <laughs> That's what I think. You say why? Cuz I know where I'll be, but I don't know if I was the past if I wasn't the pastor, I don't know if I'd be in church or not. I'd like to think I would. But I can't guarantee you I would. I was in your position, I don't know that I'd be in church on a Thursday night, not after being here three services on Sunday, and then come here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and and then maybe tomorrow. Now, I know why Brother David has uh, finger foods on Friday night. Used to be, back in the day when Brother Cannaday was uh, first getting uh, here, he would always have a big dinner on Friday night. Any of y'all remember that? That was done to keep you coming. That's why he did that. And now what they're doing is is they're trying to keep you staying. By what they're doing, they say it's after church that you get to come because back years ago when I used to preach, you'd eat and leave. And then, oh, well, we thought it was over after supper it was over with. And, <laughs> And so now it's like they'll give you something to eat afterward. I can tell you a lot of things that will happen in the future based on what the Bible says. I can tell you to prepare yourself for the judgment seat of Christ. I can tell you to prepare yourself for a mind like Christ and a body like Christ and to be able to walk on streets of gold and gates of pearl, walls of jasper. I can't even imagine, in all honesty, what heaven's going to be like to, to completely. I can tell you what the Bible says, but you can't get a real good picture but too often, ladies and gentlemen, we try to talk about what's going to happen tomorrow, and none of us in here know what's going to happen tomorrow. Tell me which one of you know's is going to happen tomorrow. You can't say for sure. I mean, you think it'll repeat what you did today. You think maybe if you had a pretty decent day today, you know what you think. I'll wake up in the morning and I'll get my cup of coffee. We're routine oriented. And I'll read my Bible or whatever your normal routine is. And then you get ready for work. You get ready for school. You get in the car. You drive. You go to school. You go to work. You come home. You eat supper. Take a shower and all that and come to church or whatever. That's what you think is going to happen. But it takes one phone call or it takes one car accident or it takes one slip and fall. And the next thing you know, the day as you planned it. doesn't work out that way. Now, I'm all for talking about the future. I think it's great to talk about it. I like to use it as the carrot on the end of the stick to talk about where you're going and where you're headed. But sometimes we get so interested in what's going to happen tomorrow, and that's what the media talks about, and that's what they always play up. Of course, during hurricane season, they're going to show you the worst of the hurricanes in the past to try to provoke you to buy stuff in the future, and the present. But too often, we're too fixated on the right, the here, and the now. You're going to come to a passage there in Luke chapter number, oh, about 19, if you would like to turn there. I'm going to read it to you here in just a second. And I want to remind you of something. In 1 Samuel chapter number 5, Israel's getting ready to come up against a big battle there. And uh, uh, they're up there in a place called Ebenezer. And that Ebenezer is uh, hitherto, that, that word means hitherto hath the Lord helped us. You say, where did you get that? Is that the trilateral root word of the Hebrew? I leave that stuff to Brother David. I looked it up in a dictionary but I also found it right in the text. That's what the word means. It's in the text of the King James Bible. It gave the interpretation of that right there. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. By 1 Samuel chapter 7, by the time you get there, He erects an Ebenezer stone in that place. He says, why? Because the Lord helped us back there. Now, one of the things I want to try to drive home tonight to you to try to encourage you to strengthen you, I realize no man having put his hand to the plow and then turns around is fit for the kingdom and all that. That's not the difference. The difference we're talking about is when I pulled that plow as a mule and, and played my pawpaw's mule and got the end of the row, he'd have me turn around to see the results of what happened there by keeping my eye where it was supposed to be and doing what I was told to do. And the reward for that was seeing a straight row instead of a row that looked like a snake. And so one of the things you have to recognize in your life is, is you can't tell people what God's going to do for you in the future. You can tell them about heaven. You can tell them they can miss hell. But how's it going to come out for you at the judgment seat? You don't know and neither do I. How, what are, what's your position going to be when you get up there? Well, you're not a, mor- I mean a Mormon. You're not going to go up there as a a Mormon and say, well, I'm going to have a heaven up here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. You can't tell what you're going to be doing. What are you going to rule over? You're going to rule and reign. How many crowns are you going to have to cast at His feet? You don't know. I don't know either. I'm not getting on to you. I have no idea. See, a lot of those things are out there and we know they exist, but ladies and gentlemen, it's hard to convince people that Jesus is real talking about things that haven't even occurred yet and you don't even know for sure if they're going to happen. You know how you get people to get interested? You talk to them about what the Lord has done for you. Hitherto has the Lord helped us. Has the Lord ever helped you before? Has He ever done anything for you before? Have you ever wondered why when the apostles are at the end of Acts chapter number 1 and they're over there preaching and that kind of a thing and the Pharisees are making fun of them they said these boys are drunk on new wine that's grape juice. Have you ever wondered why they're laughing at them? I think Peter when he's preaching Joel chapter number 2 and talking about the Lord he's saying hey boys (laughs) I mean remember when the Lord was with us and He helped us to walk on the water. Yeah Pete we remember that and hey John you remember when the Lord uh, raised the dead up over there caused the blind to be able to see. Hey John do you remember Remember when that woman with the issue over there, you know, women have issues and that kind of thing. You know, John, you remember that? John probably got excited before long. They changed the atmosphere of the entire building talking about what the Lord had done. Now, the reason I bring that to you is is sometimes we forget. Brother Kevin got up here with his daughter Lily. They began to sing and that kind of a thing and start off right off the bat about, Lord, it's a blessing and Lord, you've been a blessing. That's past tense. It's more than just your salvation, isn't it? How are you able to sit here today? How did you get out of bed this morning? How come it is you still have eyeballs to be able to see out of and nostrils to breathe through? How is it that your back's not bothering so bad that you have to uh, have a brace on tonight or be laid up in a hospital bed? Why is it that you don't have the cancer diagnosis? Why is it that you're not already in the graveyard? I mean, have you ever considered just what the Lord did for you today? In this passage here, this is called the triumphal entry and a lot of people like to preach on it. And uh, I like to preach on it because I like to imagine what would I do if I was there if the Lord came in. I mean, how would I act? If the Lord walked in the back door back there tonight, how would I act if I saw Him? I reckon I'd be reverent and just kind of, oh, it's just Jesus. Hey, uh, Jesus, how you doing? Come on in have a seat. I'll let you know when I'm done preaching. I mean, how would you act if Jesus walked in the back door back... Matter of fact, there He is. No, <laughs> how would you feel if Jesus walked in the back door right now and walked in the midst and just came in here and, and sat down? Why, I'd be willing to tell you, I'll stop preaching. But you know what? I bet you some of, these, some of you ladies, I mean, they might accuse you of preaching, but I bet you'd go to praising. I bet you'd look back there and I wouldn't you talk about what Jesus is going to do for you. I bet you'd talk about what He did for you. Has He ever done anything for you? Remember that song count your many blessings name them one by one and it will surprise you what the lord has done have you ever done it you ever taken time to write it down I'm a list maker. I'm bad about that stuff. I'll read your text here in just a second. I'm bad about making a list. I'm bad about having A pile, B pile, C pile. I was taught that stuff back when I used to do my former employment and things and to be able to sort through different things and I'm able to get things. For me, that works. That way I don't forget too many things. And that forgetting part's getting worse as I get older. It's, you don't have all timers, but I got half timers at least sometimes. You know, half timers is that thing. When you get up in the morning, you sound like a box of Rice Krispies. You're not eating them anymore. You just sound like them. Snap, crackle, pop, you know, and everything's moving. You hadn't been on your feet all night long, and you get up and your feet are hurting you, you know, and plantar fasciitis and stuff like that, and you start taking things for granted. And then you're looking for your glasses, and they're on top of your head. And you're looking for your car keys, and they're in your hand. And then you walk into a room somewhere, and you're thinking, why did I come in here? Some of you that aren't old enough, you don't even know what I'm talking about yet. Yeah, it's like, I know I came in here for a reason. You're writing yourself sticky notes so you don't forget anything, and then you forget where you put the sticky note. Can I get a witness? Come on. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's the life we have to look forward to. I'm glad we get a better life coming, man. <laughs> I mean, somebody, I know how some of you are. I know you've got along. You, you always pray in this prayer, you know, pray the King Solomon prayers, what independent Baptists are good at knowing. What's the King Solomon prayer, preacher? Oh, that's that prayer you pray when you ask the Lord for wisdom, but you really want money. See, you've prayed it before, I can tell. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom. And Lord, give me wisdom on how to spend that money when it hits my bank account. Lord, I sure do. I sure appreciate that. Or, you know, how you prayed that prayer. Remember, old Jabez went around for a while, prayed the prayer, Jabez, Lord, expand my boundaries, expand my borders. You remember that prayer? Anybody remember that prayer? Those old charismatic. They wrote a book on that thing. Look down around your belt line, the Lord answered your prayer. (laughs) He expanded your borders, didn't he? It just wasn't the borders you were thinking about. (laughs) We better get off of that right quick like. Can I say this to you? Ain't it easy to forget how good God's been? You go through a storm in life and a difficulty and a problem and things and all of a sudden you know what happens? You can't remember that stuff and it could have just happened yesterday. I'm as guilty as you are. I'm preaching to the choir this evening. I'm preaching to myself as if I'm sitting right here on the front row. I have to preach this sermon to myself because I remember on a regular basis that God gets glory out of me giving Him thanks, just like Brother Kevin sang. The Lord gets honor out of that. He gets glory out of that. But I'm slow to be able to do that, but I'm quick to complain. Boy, I can gripe with the best of them. I mean, I can complain, if it ain't raining, it ain't raining, and then it's raining too much. And it's hot, well, it's too hot, well, now it's too cold, and now it's freezing. Man, I mean, I sound like an old person in the nursing home. I complain about everything that goes on around. And the Lord said, maybe every now and then, could you just tell me thank you? You ever had a prayer meeting with the Lord? I'm coming to the text in a second. I'll read it out of his Bible if I need to. But you ever, You ever come to the Lord and just pause for a minute? And say, don't pick up the, the habits of us old people. Us old people come to the Lord and all we do is gripe, complain, and ask for things. You know what you need to learn to do? You need to learn to pray. And when you first walk in the Lord, Lord, thank you. I sure appreciate being able to talk to you. Grateful there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Sure, I'm glad I could come in and appear and speak to you right now and talk to you without having to go through a secretary or some kind of ritual, offer some kind of an animal or something like that. Hope the priest can get a prayer through for me and not be able to hear from you. Lord, I sure appreciate the Bible to be able to read. Thank you for letting me be able to pray. Thank you for letting me speak. Thank you for letting me hear. Thank you for letting me talk. Thank you, Father, that I can see. Thank you, Lord, for I can still have taste buds to be able to taste the food. Lord, I sure do appreciate the house I have, a roof over my head. Lord, thank you for my kids. Thank you for this. Have you ever gone to the Lord and prayed like that for just a while? You'd be surprised. Whatever it is you're going to gripe about, all of a sudden it's like it don't fit together. You know, it's a real hard situation to be able to have a real communion with the Lord when you're constantly griping and criticizing things. Did you ever notice that? Those two things don't go together. If you're always griping and criticizing things, and then, then you come in there and try to have communion with the Lord, sometimes the Lord gets upset with us because we're complaining about His family. Oops. I mean, I'm going to preach positive tonight. Ladies, I'm glad y'all came tonight. I sure appreciate it. Elizabeth, it's good to see you and the baby come the way. Don't let the baby kick you during the service. If Elizabeth gets up, the baby kicked her, and no, she's not leaving because my preaching's terrible. Look, if you will, please, in first, or Luke chapter number nineteen. Let me give you this as a text, and I'm just going to preach for a little while uh, about hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Look in verse number. So let's make it thirty-six. And as they went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with what kind of voice? Come on, read it now. What kind of voice? For all the mighty works that day. Look at that word. It's a three-letter word. Where's Miss Lynn? Am I right? That's past tense. Is that right? Okay. That's past tense. All right. She said, had seen. Had seen. Past tense saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And from the Pharisees from among the multitude said, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Brother David, pray. Would you ask the Lord to help us? Amen. Can I say this to you right off the bat, that these Pharisees can't stand it when Jesus is being praised. Well, how this fits for me is, is that how much does it take to shut me up? When was the last time somebody accused me of being drunk with new wine because I've been praising the Lord so much that they look at me and think I'm an idiot for Jesus? I mean, they could probably call me out for being an idiot for a number of other things. I mean, sometimes somebody pull out in front of me and I might have a few things cross my mind. They don't come out of my mouth, but I'm still working on the mind part. I know you wouldn't do that. But you forget I walked through the parking lot when I came up here, and I see all that stuff, and it ain't on the outside of your windshield. Somebody got you upside and gets upset. And it's funny how we'll get in a hurry to shout about things we don't like. And not much can keep us from shouting about those things. But I said to myself, you know what, I wonder if the Pharisees came up to me and said, hey, you need to hush up your mouth, if they could hush me up. I mean, has God done anything for you? Could He hush you up for that? Could the Pharisee tell you to be quiet, not acting religious, not acting proper, uh, not doing the things, drawing attention to yourself and and that kind of a deal? I wonder if I was in that crowd, I wonder how my actions would be. I mean, you got something better than everybody that's going to be listed tonight. you got salvation by grace through faith. you got eternal security. You're going to be called the bride of Christ. None of these people I'm going to tell you about tonight have that promise you got eternal promises that are great. You may have difficulties and problems now. Please don't take this as a rebuke. I'm just simply trying to encourage you. There's nothing wrong with being pleased to talk about what Jesus has done for you. I think if you were there, I think that woman that's out there, probably the woman at the well, I use her a lot. I like her because I, I think that her problem was that she was dry as cracker juice. I think that old that, that young woman, she probably came out there to meet the Lord that day. She didn't know she was going to meet him, but the Lord knew he had an appointment with her. He said, I must needs go by Samaria. You all know the story. I've told the story here before, as a matter of fact. And that woman comes out there in the middle of the day, the heat of the day, the hot of the day, the brightness of the sun is shining, and everybody knows her in town. They know her because of her sin. They know what kind of woman she is. They know what kind of past she has. I mean, after all, she's had five husbands and she's with one that ain't even her own. And none of them were or she was ever married to. That's a homewrecker if you've ever seen a home wrecker. If I painted her, I'd paint her with a chartreuse mohawk. I'd have her down there with tats all over her. I'd have her with, you know, look like she lost a fight with a nail gun. Not enough uh, clothes to make a pair of britches for a blue jay. And walk there. I mean, that's how you paint sinners. So I paint her that way. And she's coming up there. The Lord's not bothered by it whatsoever. Hey, sister, he says, how are you doing? She said, fine, what do you want? What do you think that young lady's thinking to herself? Every man in her life has used her, abused her, and kicked her to the curb. Do you ever think about that? She's been with five other men, and none of them want her around except for their own uh, uh, benefit. Are you with me? That's not too plain for you, is it? The stuff you watch on TV, and you're looking at me like a tree full of owls right now. Well, I just don't really know about... She's been with five husbands, do you understand? I mean, she's an adulterer if there was ever an adulterer, and she's aiding and abetting adulterers. Would you agree with me there at least? And she comes out there and the Lord speaks to her. And you know what he said? He said to her, he said, "Uh, Hey, you know what? You give me a drink, I'll give you a drink. You'll never thirst again. I think that woman's probably there in the crowd. I think she's dressed up nice. I think she looks nice. She doesn't look at all. She's covered up the best that she possibly could from her past. And those Pharisees come to her and tell her to shut up. And she said, tell me to shut up you got to be kidding me. That man knew me, knew who I was, knew everything I'd ever done, every place I'd ever been, every uh, wicked and ungodly thing I'd ever done. He's the only man that never asked to get something from me. He never did try to abuse me, didn't try to take advantage of me, didn't try to make fun of me, didn't try to put me down. All he did was reach down and help me. I was untouchable, I was unlovable, and nobody wanted nothing. I was a piece of trash, and he recycled me. You think I'm going to be quiet about that? You know what I like about that lady? I like about that lady, she never went to a single soul winning class. She didn't learn about the Romans Road and Romans 3 and Romans 5 and Romans 7 and Romans 9 Romans 10 and uh, Isaiah 53 and uh, Romans, uh, Revelation chapter 3 and John chapter number 3 and so on and so forth. She didn't know the Romans Road. She didn't know nothing. She knew Jesus. You know what she did? She goes into the town. She said, come see a man. Told me everything I ever did. And went out there and made it public. Everybody knew her anyway. Come see a man that wasn't here to use me and abuse me. You think you could hush a woman like that up? Man, that woman's appreciative of what God did for her. That's God manifesting in the flesh right there, who went out of His way. And when He had already told those boys over there in Matthew chapter number four, He said, "Go not to the way of the I mean uh, Matthew ten, go not to the way of the Gentiles nor to the sheep to Samaria, but only the lost sheep of the house of Israel." And here He steps out of there and goes over and sees that Samaritan, that Syrophoenician woman, the dog woman over there. You remember her? You got a Samaritan in one place and a Syrophoenician in another one. She's if there was ever a a, a split personality she is. She comes over there on the behalf of somebody else. I think she's right there in the crowd. Matter of fact, I think her daughter's in the crowd. I think that she's there praising the Lord. Hey, Jesus, remember me? Hey, Jesus, do you remember me? Praise the Lord. Here he is. There's Jesus. That's my Savior. That's the guy that helped me. And the little girl's down here going, Yeah, he helped me too. He helped me too. And you say, Who are you? What did you do? Well, I went down there and I tried to talk to him to get some help. The apostles kept trying to push me away. And his disciples didn't want me to have anything to do with him. And I just stayed persistent. And eventually he said, It's not fit for me to, to give the bread of the, of, the, of the children there under the dogs and they said yep Lord I'm a dog you mean you didn't get offended and walk out of the church you didn't get upset because the Lord called it like it was you recognized that you were exactly what he was calling you yes sir but I sure did get a crumb and guess what that crumb was enough to take care of my daughter in her situation you think that woman's going to be quiet she don't even fit in with that crowd when was the last time ladies and gentlemen that you looked back and thought to yourself yeah how's that dog I mean if the Bible's right you're a dog or a pig that's what he likens us to. Don't take offense to that. Hey, own it. That's what I'm like to. You weren't a sheep until you got saved. You're a sheep now, but you were a dog. Don't ever forget that. And you still got some of those filthy habits in your flesh. And you're a pig. You say, what happened? Don't you want to go back to the waller every now and then? I mean, nothing feels better than a good bath in the mud when you're hot and burning up. Sometimes you got to go back to the world a little bit and cool off. And the Lord said, uh, that ain't who you are anymore. Yeah, right. you ever remember where you used to go and where you used to turn and where you used to run to when things got hard and things got difficult? That fifth of liquor tastes good. That six-pack had come across your lips in a heartbeat. And you'd down six of them before you even got to the house. And you'd pick up that pipe and smoke some stuff. You had no business and see all kind of funny colors and rainbows and all that kind of deal. And I don't mean that kind of rainbows. And you turned... Uh, sometimes work and sometimes to the club and sometimes to the bar room and sometimes to sports and sometimes to a multitude of other things and you went back to those things and now you met Jesus and you're on the way and the Lord stops you at the door and said, hey boy, where are you going? Do you ever think, God you don't go where you used to go? Do you ever think, God that you don't go back to where you came from? Do you ever pause and pause? Do you ever think for a minute where you'd be without Jesus? Amen. I don't sell myself short. I was raised upright. I'm going to tell you why I was raised upright. God had mercy on me. God knew if He didn't raise me upright, I probably wouldn't be standing before you right now. I don't take any credit for it whatsoever. I don't think it has anything to do with a disciplinary spirit or does this and that and the other. I think God put me in a little hothouse and raised me in a test tube and kept me out of trouble and kept me out of problems and kept me out of things because He knew I couldn't handle it. I had not been through half of what some of you have been through. You say, why? I couldn't handle it. I'm afraid I'd have never come out of it. And I got saved when I was seven. I never messed with all the stuff that some of you folks messed with and those kind of things. And I'm not making light of it and I'm not proud of that. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm saying, I'm afraid I like it. That's why I stayed away from it. I was afraid of it. I wish I could tell you, oh, well, you know, I had a little bit of that, and a little bit of this, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I never, you know, it never got a hold of me, man. I'd just discipline myself and say, no, I looked at that stuff, man, and the people I used to deal with in my previous profession, and I saw what it did to them and how it wrecked their lives and wrecked their homes and wrecked their cars and wrecked their bodies and wrecked everything about stuff. And I thought to myself, you know what, I better stay away, not because of the damage it caused, but there's too many people that like it. And I'd be afraid I'd do that. You know what I think the Lord made me a preacher for? Because He figured there'd be no other way to get me in church. I thank God for calling me to preach. I'm sorry for y'all, but I thank God for calling me to preach. And you say, "Wow, You're the cadavers that we get to work on on a regular basis. You know, I'm still in training. It's like that song, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. The Lord looks down at me and says, I'm still working on you. I don't know if I'll ever make you what you ought to be. (laughs) But at least I'm not what I was. The Apostle Paul comes out of prison over there after he goes to the shipwreck and he gets there and he's in shackles and chains there and they say to the Apostle Paul, they say to him, hey Paul, uh, we're going to allow you to speak for yourself. You finally get an opportunity to put your law brief in front of all these people and to be heard. You're trained at the feet of a meal. You're a big time lawyer. You know all these kind of things. Paul, I want you to speak for yourself what do you think about that and Paul said I think myself happy why that I get to tell you that everything they're accusing me of I'm guilty of I was a murderer. I made women uh, uh, widows and I made children orphans and I put people in jail and that's who I used to be but it ain't who I am now. And I think myself happy because I met somebody on the road to Damascus and it changed my life and I was blind and now I see and I'm now happier than you are in spite of these chains. I wish, he says, that though felix and Agrippa, he said, I wish that you were as I am. Paul gets ready to die, man. He goes over there to that chopping block and he said, I am now ready to be offered. He ain't pushing back. He ain't saying, Don't take me. Paul said, Ever since I got caught up there to the third heaven and in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell. I got back down here. I've been waiting to get back home ever since that time. I go down there and he says to that, that boy he takes off his time X and hands it to the guard there. He says, Here, man, you can have this. I ain't gonna need it where I'm going. How do you know that? He said, Where I'm going, there ain't no time. It's eternity. Matter of fact, when I'm gone, I don't want to disrobe now, but you can have this tunic I'm wearing, this clothing that I'm wearing. It's about the only thing i got left. Make sure you get these parchments to Timothy. He's the preacher over there. Make sure you get them to him. He said, but you can have everything i got. Where I'm going, I'll never have another need for nothing else. I'll have every need I've ever had met. Apostle Paul says, how come you're so jacked up right now and bothering me at all? He said, well, what's you so calm about, preacher? He said, man, I know in whom I am, believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep me against that day. The greatest day in my life was when he knocked me off my horse and got me down in the dirt and got my attention. And I thank God for that. Well, Paul, I understand. I mean, I watched you the other day when we were whipping you. You got whip marks all over you. Yeah, I've been whipped five times, save uh, 40 stripes, save one uh, of the Jews. Five times I received that and a whole bunch of other things. A day and a night in the deep and in the shipwreck and in peril and in nakedness and hunger. He said, man, it's been a glorious trip. boy and not only that I was caught up there to heaven and I came back down the Lord gave me a thorn in the flesh to suppress me to keep me down to hold me down he said I glory in tribulation God's been good to me and he about has a fit right there going to the chopping block people are looking and saying man what is wrong with that preacher he's lost his mind he's fixing to lose his head and Paul said no man I've never been in greater mind and all why because of what he has done because of what he has done not because of what he's going to do I mean, you look and think about it. You got a family sitting next to you. How come your family's there? How come your kids were born? I know they might be full of the devil. I get that. I know how kids can be. I know the kids, but I bet you were that way some. I mean, I've had some kids come in our nursery back at the church and doing their parents too. And I'm thinking, you got to be the devil's spawn and you got to be the devil. (laughs) I know you don't have that here. I I understand that. And I'm just saying, and I got some of my folks here, you know, they were kind enough to drive over. I'm just simply saying, I mean, I know how kids can be, but then I look back at my life and think, was I always angelic? I mean, I know how Christians can be sometimes, right? I mean, all you're waiting for them to do is take their coat off so you can see their wings, right? And you think they're going to sprout wings and fly and drinking too much Red Bull. But the thing that you want to recognize, ladies and gentlemen, is that we have a bad habit and instead of a, and looking back on what God has done, we're always asking God to do more, do more, do more, do more, do more. I believe if you have not because you ask not or you ask amiss, you may consume it upon your flesh. I believe that. I understand that. But I think I might get more answers to do something for me if I I was grateful for what he did. I think sometimes that we just take for granted what he did and we forget about what he did. We forget about the meal yesterday because we're wanting to have something different today. And we pause and don't pause and think, man, I had a steak today. That's pretty good. I, 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 yeah, I enjoyed that today. Instead, you're thinking tomorrow, where am I going to eat tomorrow? Where am I going to eat tomorrow? What if you don't eat tomorrow? Can I just be thankful for what you had? What if the Lord said, I'll give you tomorrow if you're thankful for today? You ever think about that? I think you're probably standing there with those individuals there. Here's that. There's these two women here that are outcasts. They're unknown to people like that. I think probably that old woman that's over there, she's a, uh, gone about three or four years older now. She's a woman with issues. And of course, I told you already, we know that's to be a, 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 a truth, you know. <laughs> you should laugh there. i never known a woman without issues. And nowadays you're living in an effeminate society. And now you got men with issues. Men need tissues because of their issues. <laughs> you got men acting like women skinny jeans. That's, that's your answer to women's yoga pants. Ma'am, can I just tell you this real quick? This is completely off the subject. <laughs> There's two things that don't lie to you. A mirror and yoga pants. And I don't care how good they might feel on you. I'm telling you right now, don't you let somebody tell you them they're leggings. They ain't leggings. Those things are what we used to call in my day girdles. And you wore them underneath the clothing. Amen. And you, you're getting nervous on me now. You say, but preacher, everybody wears them. That don't mean everybody ought to. I saw a woman in the airport, man, and I'm thinking, man, y'all better get back, give it a wide berth, man. Them things going to turn loose any minute and stuff's <laughs> going to go everywhere, man. I mean, them seams were screaming, boy. And I thought to myself, that's sad. That's just really sad. And I went to the ticket counter there, and I handed my identification to the lady. And I said, you know, that's just really a sad thing. And she said, what's that? And I said, that, 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 that lady right there, she said, well, she didn't really have any problems. I said, well, I mean, you know, just the way she, she looks, it's just kind of a sad thing. She said, why is that sad? I said, well, she must not have a mirror, and she must not have a friend, because if she had a mirror or had a friend, she wouldn't have gone out of the house looking like that. She said, oh, Lord, you can't say that. (laughs) I said, I couldn't help myself. (laughs) You ever pause and think about that, ladies and gentlemen? God's been awful good to you. That woman's there. She's been sick 12 years. 12 years. She goes to bed sick. She wakes up sick 12 years. She goes to town. Nobody wants around her. She's known by her disease. Nobody wants anything to do with her. She hadn't felt the touch of a good man. Hadn't had, been in love with somebody. Doesn't have any children. Even her own family's not able to be. She's all alone and all by herself because she's known by her disease. Nobody wants anything to do with her. She's considered to be dirty, filthy. As a matter of fact, if she goes out of the town, I've preached on it before, you've certainly heard sermons on it, certainly. If she goes out, anywhere she goes, anything she touches anywhere she sits is considered unclean. And if an individual touches her, they're considered unclean and they have to go out and be purged, purified, and not come back in until sunset time. As a matter of fact, if she goes out, it's worse than having COVID. She goes out in the public, you know what they can do? They can stone her on the spot. It's as bad as leprosy. Everybody knows she's got it. Can you imagine a label like that? Can you imagine everybody in town, small town like this? I know you know each other in this town. I grew up in the mountains of Tennessee, man. I mean, you can't burp at the dinner table and somebody don't already know. Yeah, he burped at the dinner table, you know. Everybody knows you're a cotton-picking business. That's before Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, TikTok, and all the other kind of trash that you fool around with all the time. I mean, back in those days, you'd tell a telephone or tell a woman, it's everywhere. I mean, it's all over. (laughs) It's all in the church. It's everywhere, man. You tell one person, and it's like telling E.F. Hutton, man. Everybody's involved in it. And especially bad news, it travels fast. Don't it? And you wind up with your kid getting in trouble and the police bring him to your house and try to keep it quiet and somebody reads the police blotter and the next thing you know, everybody in the town knows, oh yeah, they picked up your grandkid the other day. Yeah, well what business is that of yours? Well, you know, I'm just here praying for you, sister. How about talking to the Lord instead of talking to your neighbor? Am I getting close to home now? You know that woman's 12 years she's dealt with that. The pain she felt was in between her ears as much as it was in her body. You say, why? She was labeled. You ever had a label? You know we have a tendency to label people. You know we have the propensity to label people. We put a label on them and then we hope they grow into whatever label we've given them. God help us if we ever get to the point that we recognize people change over time. Did you know that? Are you the same as you used to be? The Apostle Paul stands out there and says, Yeah, that's everything I used to be. Would you like to hear about what I am now? That's not who I am anymore. But I did used to be that. You go to a family reunion. You go over to a the, the high school reunion. I don't go to high school reunions. You say, why? I don't want them jacklegs remembering what I was doing when I was 16 and 17 years old. I was an idiot. I See, y'all, you're like, oh, I, I wasn't. I, you know, I, I, and you know what's bad is you're so demented, you think you still look like you did when you were 16. Listen to me, you look like a whiskey barrel with pipe cleaners for legs. You got a belt on, make you look like a fence around a chicken graveyard, man. And in your mind, you think you're still carrying that football and you're in there most likely to succeed. <laughs> yeah, that ain't you no more. You, that, that ship has sailed. You're thinking your wife's looking at you like when she met you and she was all along, starry-eyed and stuff like that. You look in the mirror and something happens. You get some kind of hallucination and you're thinking something's there. You need to take a long look, man, because what you're seeing ain't what you are. And you get ready to go to those things. They always want to remind you about what you used to be. No, thank you. don't want to remind it. They come up to you and they say, Oh, well, I remember when you did so-and-so. Sorry about that. Bad testimony. I was saved. Shouldn't have done that. Let me tell you what I've been doing for the last 44 years. Let me tell you how God's changed my life. Let me tell you, can I tell you something? I'm jumping to to the end here for a second, then I'm going to come back to about the middle, just shy of the middle here. But can I tell you something? If you would learn when it comes to to, to witnessing to people to just tell them what the Lord has done for you, you'd be surprised at how many fish you put in a boat. You'd be surprised if you get worried about being so theological with things. To so just say, "Listen, you listen, bring them to him. He's the theological master man. He knows all that kind of stuff. I mean, he talk about rightly dividing and writing books and doing all the theological stuff. He's the master of it. Good. I know somebody who can get them answers, but in the meantime, can I just tell you what he did for me? Pulled me out of a pit when nobody else would washed me off, cleaned me up, set my feet upon a rock, and then went ahead and let me do something in spite of the mess I would gotten myself into. Got a big old snatch rope, racked it around me right there, and floored it, and Bubba comes up there, and the old four wheels are burning and smoking, and, and they finally yank you up out of that pit like that, and the Lord sets you up on that high ground there, and washes you off, and makes it look like nothing ever happened to you. And you ain't got anything to tell them? You don't have to tell them all the wickedness and filth. You can say, man, I was as wicked as the day is long and I did things I shouldn't have done and nobody wanted me. What do you think that woman said? Yeah, I went out there. Nobody could help me and nobody was around. Nobody could do nothing for me. And they wouldn't have anything to do with me. I'd been to see every doctor there was in town. I had been to see every physician. I had done every holistic thing you could do. I had taken every herb you could possibly see. I've stood on my head. I've jumped around. I've thrown salt over my shoulder, spun around three times, spit in the wind. Don't spit in the wind. Do this nothing, no better worse people sending me things, do this, do this do this, I tried everything, I'm desperate I'm tired of being sick, I'm tired of being sick I'm tired of being sick 12 years of being sick, my lord how in the world she couldn't be bitter, I don't know I'd have been bitter as a day is long your pastor's got a book back there uh, by, written by a fellow named Ring. is uh, David Ring. It's called Just As I Am. That's an autobiography of a guy who's twisted up like a pretzel. I've used him before. He's an old Southern Baptist evangelist. I use it at independent Baptist churches because they don't believe that, any, that God can use anybody but an independent Baptist. God sure has used that boy. God's used that boy and seen a bunch of people saved. And What will he do? He stands up and he's twisted up like a pretzel, married and got kids now. You ought to read that book sometime. I read that book, you know what I do? I get under conviction. I think to myself, "If God had me born that way and go through the stuff that boy went through coming up when losing his dad and losing his mom and trying to kill himself and all that stuff before he ever got married, never got saved and all that." I'm thinking to myself, and then even after I got saved, he didn't untwist the pretzel. And that guy's up there telling me God's been good to him. He's up there singing victory in Jesus like he means it and stops a congregation full of people and said, I got cerebral palsy. What's your problem? And I'm thinking, man, I gotta, I, I, you gotta be kidding me, man. And he's saying, thank the Lord I'm twisted up. Thank the Lord I'm messed up. Thank the Lord God had me born this way. Man, I can't even thank the Lord for being in good health. And that boy's thanking the Lord for the deformities. Lord, where would I be if it wasn't for these deformities? And where would I be? And who would I reach? Would I even be preaching if I was that way? I don't know. Would you? Or would you be sitting like the woman in the house 12 years? Can't go nowhere, can't do anything, embarrassed and ashamed, dirty, filthy, and that kind of thing. Nobody would touch her. You know what that'd be like to not have somebody to be able to just put their hand on you because you're so filthy? You're so dirty. And that woman comes out there, and she's standing there in the gate of that triumphal entry. And here comes the Lord over there, and she's probably a little bit sequestered and that kind of a thing. And she looks over there and she nods at the Lord like that. And the Lord looks down and kind of grins just a little bit, <coughs> and he says to her, uh, "Hey, sister, how you doing?" And she said, "I'm so glad you asked me. You wouldn't believe how good I'm feeling. Boy, I'm really having the time of my life. You know, it's just a really blessing." He said, "You know what? I know you did, Lord." She said, "He said I got to go on now." You know, he said, "Well, I just want to tell you something." He said, "Well, go ahead and tell them." And he rides his mule on down the road road here a little ways, a little donkey goes on down the road there and I got it, the way I got it drawn up is is the widow of Nain's son that that died you know, I got him being resurrected and him and the woman with the issue getting married that's a pretty good soap opera, you don't know that it didn't happen that way when you preach it, you preach it however you want to, I'm just saying that boy was dead and you know and all of us I mean he did a lot for Naomi when she came back with the house of bread, right? So I'm just saying, y'all do know that story, right? Oh, Lord, he's going to go to Ruth now. No, I'm not. Just hang on. But I got them over there together. Hey, Lord, do you want to meet my husband? Oh, I already know him. He was on the other side of the grave. She gets up there and she starts talking about Jesus and bragging about Jesus and probably, like men will do sometimes, lady, he has to butt in with his story. He said, well, yeah, he did touch her and she did have an issue and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, I mean, what he did for her is nothing compared to what he did for me. I was dead. I was dead. I think he's standing in the crowd. Do you think if you were resurrected to newness of life again, that you might have something to shout about? Amen. I mean, he takes the lid off of that coffin right there, tells that boy get up, man, and tells the woman quit crying, don't worry about it. Here's your boy back. About that time, they go past the widow's uh, house. I mean, the woman with the issues house, and she's cleaned up, the house is freshly painted, got new curb appeal. She's standing out there baking some biscuits and things like that. And he walks by and says, "Hey, how are you doing?" She said, "I'm doing fine." Where are you from? He said, "The graveyard." And she goes, well, that's a strange place. I felt dead too. She said, but you know, I met this fellow named Jesus. She said, no, I just met him too. They fall madly in love together and the Lord performs a marriage ceremony. I was at a place one time. I had two old drunks, man, drunk man, a drunk woman, man. They were fighting like cats and dogs and one of them was drinking uh, vodka and the other one was drinking rum And they were drunker and they were mad. You know what they were fighting over? They were fighting over the fact that they wanted to be married and they hadn't been married and we need to be married and I can't believe we're not married and you didn't want to be married. Now you want to be married and you didn't want to be married. Now you want to be married. married. And I said, I can resolve this problem right away. And they said, Well, how are you going to resolve it? I said, I'm going to marry you. And they said, What are you going to do? I said, Come here and put your hand over here on my badge. They both came up there. They're holding like this, you know, they're standing like this. And I said, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Man, they lip locked. I left them lip locked on the porch, man. And I came by. They had a fight a little bit later on. Another time, I came by. I said, Are "Y'all still married?" And they said, "Yeah, we got married. You, matter of fact, you married us. You're the one who married us." And I said, "Well, married people ought to act better than this, you know." Well, you're right about that, you know. Do you think we need to be remarried? No. I see. It, that it don't make. I didn't officially marry them, but you know, they're drunk. They didn't know any better. But but listen to me. You say, "Did you really do that?" I absolutely did do that. They're still married. No, I don't. Probably dead and in the ground now, I'm pickled and probably. But you know what I think? I think when the Pharisees come up there and tell them to be quiet, I think that uh, our tendency would be that we'd let the Pharisees quiet us. I know I've seen depression quiet us. I know I've seen bitterness quiet us down. I've known I've seen disappointment and discouragement quiet us down. I know I've seen financial stress and strain quiet us down. The loss of children, the loss of a family, the destruction of a family. I've seen that quiet us down real quick. It don't take long to knock the shout out of us, does it? Yeah, Ebenezer Stone in my life, you know what I could do? I could go back and I could lay more than one Ebenezer Stone, but I need a place to be able to go back to past Calvary. Thank God for Calvary. I appreciate that. But coming this way from Calvary, you know what I got to do? I got to say, Boy, the Lord helped me there, and the Lord helped me there, and the Lord helped me there. You know what the tendency is? The tendency is is when trouble comes my way, and difficulty comes my way, and it gets dark and it gets cloudy, and the thunder starts rolling and the storm's starting to come in, you know what I have a tendency to do? I tend to forget those Ebenezer stones. That has a way of just sort of blinding me for the past. That storm in my life prevents me from being to see the shore from which I've come from. Now maybe you're not that way. Revival is a time for us to remember one of the greatest things in the world, what God has done for you. He doesn't promise you that you're not going to have trouble or problems or difficulties. He doesn't say that those things aren't coming your way. As a matter of fact, He's so upfront and He's so honest with you. You know what He does? He tells you upfront, you're going to have, in this world, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have tribulation. Not go in the tribulation. You're a preacher. You're a pastor. You're trying to do what's right to do. Your wife's going to go through it. You say, why? Genesis 3. That's going to happen. She'll lose her mind before you lose yours. Did you ever pause and think what you thought about her when you married her? Boy, I mean the sun rose and set in her eyes, didn't it? She was the greatest thing since sliced bread and now you've just kind of gotten accustomed to her being around and kind of become old hat. Man, remember when you married him? Before you had sense? And now you stuck with him? (laughs) And you can't shake him off? But you ever pause to think that God might have put that person in your life to keep you from messing around and being with the wrong one? Maybe it was a time in your life where God said, if I don't put somebody in your life, you're going to make a big mistake. You might have wound up being a heroin addict or a prostitute on the street. You say, oh no, not me. You give yourself too much credit. If all things work together for good, to then love God. We talked about that and give them a call according to His purpose. That means even the things that you consider mistakes in your life, God's turned them around and used them for good. I can't tell you how many things God's kept me out of. I won't be able to tell until I get to the other side of the world. Some things that I think I really don't like and are distasteful to me, the Lord said you needed that in your life. You say, why? You need to learn some lessons, boy. That's how the Lord talks to me. He calls me boy all the time. I'm like the mule out in the pasture. In order for him to get my attention, he's got to hit me in the head sometimes with a 4x4. Four four. I'm getting better. He's reduced it to a 2x4 now. But I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting where I can hear him a little bit better. Elijah's out there in that whirlwind we talked about the other day, and it finally got quiet, and the Lord wasn't in that fire, and he wasn't in that heavy high wind, and he wasn't in the earthquake. He was in that still, small voice. When he got quiet enough to be able to hear him, Elijah had been right there with him and didn't recognize he wasn't in fellowship with the Lord like he ought to be. You say, why He kind of got ungrateful, didn't he? Lord, I and I alone. I'm the only one who hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. You ever gotten that way? You ever been accused like these individuals here? They're all standing there. I mean, they're just thick as fleas, boy. There's a boy over there. He's probably about nine years old now. He's about six years of age when he first met the Lord. He's getting ready to leave the house one morning. The Holy Spirit says over there to his mama, said, so don't let that boy leave by himself and, and give him some vittles, give him something to eat. Goes over and tells that little boy, he says, uh, hey, son, come on in here. I want you to eat some breakfast and, and then I want you to take something with you. And packs him up five barley loaves and two fishes. That boy had no idea he was going to meet Jesus that day. Son, where are you going? I want to go hear Jesus preach, Lord. I want to go hear Jesus preach. Well, here, take this sack lunch with you. Take this little uh, lunch pail with you. Uh, take this uh, uh, this cartoon character lunch pail with you and, and go on out there and see Jesus. And he gets out there and he's got five barley loaves and two fishes and they're running through there. There's 5,000 men that are gathered there together. And a little boy's sitting there. He's wild-eyed boy and he's looking at all the stuff. He's out like a like a big man at six years of age. He's got his lunch pail. Nobody else has any food. Nobody has any vittles. And the Lord said, hey, we got God didn't even feed these people and uh, he come up to him and said Lord if we had 200 penny worth of bed it wouldn't feed these people and he said but there's a lad here with a lunch and the Lord said well come ask him to come up here and see if he'll share that lunch with me and that little boy walked up there and handed that lunch to the Lord. And the Lord said, Can I have some lunch? Sure, Lord. I didn't know you were hungry. You can have some of mine, whatever you want to do. And he winks to that young boy and puts that lunch down there. And the next thing you know, that bread begins to multiply and the fish begins to multiply. And then boys are handling it out. As soon as they break off the fish, it grows back and break off the bread and it grows back. And they go out there and they feed the 5,000 plus the women and the children. Boy, if I could paint, I'd have that boy. The Lord would say, Hey, come here, boy. Yes, sir, Lord. What do you want me to do? So come here. And he put a basket on the back of his shoulder like this big old basket up here like this, put his lunch pail down the mind, just filled that thing full of all them leftovers he's going back home man, he is whistling having the time of his life, man I can't wait to get home to mama, can't wait to get home to mama who would have ever known I was going to meet Jesus he trips and falls on the way down there and some of the bread and the fish falls out there and before he can scoop that stuff up he looks and the basket's already refilled itself I'm just saying it's supernatural bread You tell it however you want to tell it. I think that he went back home and he said, Mama, 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 look here. Mama, look here. Mama, Mama, look what's back here. What are you pointing to, boy? Mama, I got a basket back here. Look what Jesus did. Look what Jesus did. Mama, we got a supply of a lifetime. I think his mama was poor, but she was doing the best she could to take care of him. And he never knew that day that when he left, he'd meet Jesus and feed 5,000. I think that boy's there nine years of age and people are saying, You're nine years old. What could the Lord do for you? Oh man, you wouldn't believe believe what he did for me. He took my lunch and fed 5,000 people. Amen. Boy, you better hush up your mouth telling lies like that. I'm not telling lies like that. And another apostle sticks his head over there and said, hey man, I was there. I saw it happen. That boy gave up his lunch. What's your name? My name is Lad with Lunch it don't matter who I am, it matters who He is. Hey Jesus, hey lad, how are you doing, man? How's that lunch holding up? We still got a cupboard full, Lord. I don't know what in the world. Don't worry, it ain't going to run out any more than the winter with oil. It ain't going to run out. Don't worry, you'll have it until you're gone. Why? Because you were willing to give a little bit, God will give you back a lot. You say, you believe that? I do. I really do believe that. and I'm not talking about your dollar bills. I think if you were there, oh, blind Bartimaeus would be there. I'm coming to a close now. getting ready to land the plane. I'm going to put it on you here in just a minute. So I'll just be prepared. Go ahead and get your armor out and cover up your heart. I'm not on aim at your head. I'm going to aim right about that third button on your chest right there. And I'm going to, I'm going to stick you in just a minute. That Bartimaeus is out there. You know him by his name. He's known by his sickness. His name is blind Bartimaeus. And uh, that's the way we have a tendency to label people. By what's wrong with them, you know? Wouldn't it be a great in the body of Christ if we labeled people by what was right with them? We should start a trend. I reckon we could get that to what do they call it when you're when you're you're uh, doing something you're 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 trending or something? What do they call that thing? It's blowing up the YouTube thing. Well, y'all are like, we don't know anything about that. <laughs> what? Well, well, Whatever that thing is, we should start a trend. We know, by, we know people by what's right with them. So much easier to see what's wrong than what's right, isn't it? So much easier to magnify the wrong than the right, isn't it? That boy's over there, you know how you know his name? They named him in the town. You know what the blindness meant? Blindness meant that they thought he was a sinner. They thought he was no good. They thought he had sinned and done something wrong. That's why God had blinded them. But it also meant that they were righteous because they could see. And the Lord has him out there one day. And they say, "Uh, Jesus is in town. And Bartimaeus said, oh Jesus, man, I've been praying he'd come by my way. Oh, he didn't come by to see y'all. He came by to see me. The Pharisees said, "No, he came by to see us. We're the religious people, and all." That. No, how do you know the Lord would even be here if he wasn't coming by here to see me? I've been praying. I got a need for him. He's coming by to see me. He's answering my prayer. The Pharisees say, "He ain't answering your prayer. You don't want nothing to do. Shut up, man. Shut up." And Bartimaeus, the Bible says, he not only cried the more, he cried the louder. And the Lord, you know, he does stuff like this. Sometimes his sarcasm jumps off the page. The Lord hears Bartimaeus, and I think the Lord intentionally doesn't go over to Bartimaeus. He stops and he says, y'all go bring him to me. The same ones that had told him to shut up. He said, y'all bring him to me. Can you imagine how that must have felt to them? (laughs) You talk about a slap in the face. (laughs) And He bring him over there to him like that. And the Lord asked to me one of the strangest uh, questions in the Bible. He said, What wouldest that I should do for thee? Well, isn't he God? Shouldn't he know? Bartimaeus gets ready to go. He puts his hand on the shoulder of that individual. He's getting ready to go over there. He's blind and he's walking there and he's doing his best. And all of a sudden he stops and the Lord says to him, You you better get rid of that coat. That's in your King James text. You say why? Because sometimes before we can get to Jesus to get help, we got to get rid of some things that are real close to us. Like some bitterness, or some unforgiveness, or from anger, or wrath, or strife, or emulations, or hurt feelings, or failure, or a wicked past. And the Lord said, you better let it go. You better take it off. And the Bible said he cast that garment aside and he went over there to Jesus. And when the Lord got him there, he's known by his name, blind Bartimaeus. And he said, what do you want me to do for you, boy? And he said, Lord, my, my eyes. Can't you see, Lord, my eyes? It wasn't that the Lord didn't know what Bartimaeus needed. It's Bartimaeus, do you know what you need? You don't think the God of the entire universe knew exactly where Adam was when he's hiding in the bushes? You know what he said? Wherefore art thou, Adam? It's not a matter of, do he not know where we are? He wants to know, do you know where you are? Do you know where you are tonight? Would you be at the gate of the triumphal entrance? Would you be just saying, hey, I just want to praise the Lord and thank Him for? I like them old timey, old fashioned uh, uh, testimony services. We hadn't had one in a long time. For a long time, people thought they would turn into preaching services or other kind of things like that. And then you get up and get diarrhea of the mouth and all that kind of stuff and say all kinds of I just want to thank the Lord to heal my corns, you know. My corns is better, you know. And thank the Lord my arthritis is better. I got a little Gay this morning, put it on there, and put a little uh, WD-40 in there. And I'm, I'm doing pretty good now, you know. And I'm doing all right. I, I want you to pray, you know. I'm going to have the young'uns over. Pray that turkey gets done on time now. I can get it on the table and all that. And you think, man, that's just shot to pieces, man. I like these things. I just want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for saving my soul. Boy, if it wasn't for Him, Amen. I'd be in hell with a door shut. I had a fellow, I ran into him at a funeral I went to of an old friend of mine from years and years and years ago. Knew him very, very well. and Went over to a big church over there and these guys are uh, piling into the church building there that I haven't seen. Some of them in 20 years I haven't seen them some of the old guard and stuff, and they're coming in and we're talking, shaking hands back there in the back of that big old building and all that. And one of them fellows walked in there, man, he's white-headed now, a little bit of hair he's still got left. And he walked up and he called me by my last name. I said, hey man, how are you doing? He said, oh, I'm better now. And I said, really? He said, man, if it hadn't been for some of the stuff that you said and me getting saved a couple of years ago, he said, I'd be in hell with a door shut on me. I mean, right there and all them people standing around. He said, "I'd be in hell, the door could be shut on me." And I thought, man, that guy's been saved a couple of years, and he's got more joy than some of you You've been saved 40 years, because you forgot how good it is just to be saved. Hey, I did one thing right in my life. I'm sure of it. I got saved. <laughs> if I don't have anything else to praise him for, I got that to praise Amen. him for. That's a good place to begin to count my blessings. I ain't going to be in hell. Amen. I mean, you say you're gloating. You better believe I am. Amen. I ain't going. I don't have to try to convince him. He's keeping me. Right. Old Bartimaeus is down there, you know what? And they're saying, shut up, shut up, shut up. And he said, you know something? The last time people tried to get me to shut up, if I'd have shut up, I wouldn't have got my eyesight back. I wonder how many blessings we miss out on because we shut up too quick. I wonder when the last time was. You're like the lepers. You remember the lepers? The leaping lepers? Luke 17? You say, what happened? That one comes back there. He's a Samaritan. He comes back and the Lord said, where are the others to return to give glory to God? Glory to God? The boy never says glory to God. He says thank you. Just like you sang about tonight. You know what I believe he's thanking him for? I'm not like some preachers. Those thank him for being healed. I'm, I'm bad about that. Thank you for the fair weather. Thank you for the safe travels. And thank you for this. Not, Lord, thank you for getting hung up in the airport. And, Lord, thank you that the plane's got trouble. And thank you for the sickness. And thank you for the disease. And thank you for the trouble. And thank you for the problems. And thank you for this. I mean, I'm pretty good about thanking him for the good things. You know what I think that old leper's doing? I think he's like Bartimaeus. Man, if I hadn't have been blind, I'd have never seen him. The first thing he saw was Jesus Christ standing in front of him. You know what that leper's saying? Lord, if I hadn't had leprosy, I'd have never met you. You think, preacher, you're thanking him for, pre- yeah, for the sickness. Yeah, for the disease. Yeah, for the death. Yeah, for the divorce. Yeah, for the discombobulation in the family. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's high cotton boy. That's Paul saying thank you for the thorn. Thank you for the jail cell. Thank you for the day and night in the deep. Thank you for the nakedness. Thank you for the peril. Thank you for the robbers. Thank you for the fastings. Thank you for the hunger. Thank you Lord you sure have been good to me. Them old-timey uh, 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 testimony services, they get up and those old saints, they get up and say, well, I just want to thank the Lord. He's, he's been watching out for me for a long time now. And boy, that's a mouthful that's been said and then he just sat down. You don't even know what they're talking about. That's many a lonely night that they're all by themselves and nobody but Jesus to keep them company. That's many a time in the hospital room. They're all by themselves and it's late at night and the old buzz of those fluorescent lights has been turned off and people are running back and forth up in the hall and nobody in the room but Jesus. And in Jesus, get me out of here. Jesus, I want out. Jesus, do something to me. Why'd you do this to me, Jesus? And why'd you do that? Jesus, I sure appreciate this. Get a little time to get quiet with you now. Spend a little time getting readjusted to get my mind back on eternity and get my mind back where it needs to be. I reminded the old preacher used to use as an illustration, and I looked for it this afternoon. I couldn't find it to save my neck. You'll probably know you're the historian of the crowd. But he said this old preacher got up, and he had these severe problems with his arms. And there was a young preacher that was there and wanted to try to find it, because when the guy would get up to preach, man, I mean, the power of God would be on him like nobody's business. Like, listen to old Harold Seitler or Preacher Lackey. The power of God or the old preacher just fall on him, and he thought, I'm just going to find out what goes on. And he uh, laid down there underneath the guy's bed in the motel room, and the guy came in after the service, and he got ready and got his night clothes on, and he just got ready to go to bed, and he went over there and blowed out the lantern, and he said, Night, Lord, and he went, and he thought, well, psh, man, what in the world is that, you know, that's his prayer life, Night, Lord, you know, and he went to bed, and it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and the light comes on, and that guy's walking around, and he's rubbing those arms like this, and he's in pain, and he's got tears running down his cheeks, He's bawling and he is squalling and he's saying to the Lord, Lord, thank you for this. This is so much better than sin. This is so much better than sin. This is so much better than sin. Thank you for the pain. I've got to be honest with you. You want to talk about mature Christianity, there it is. Jesus Christ set his face like a flint and endured the cross for the joy that was set before him a suffering Savior, and never one time complained about the whip on his back, the beard being plucked, the hair being pulled, and being spat upon, beaten, nailed to a tree, and never one time complained. I'm not here to get on to you about your complaining. I'm right there with you. I've sat right there in the dirt with you and whined and cried and complained, and I don't understand this, and I don't understand that. I remember when my dad passed away, I didn't understand that for nothing. I was close to my daddy. He was much younger than I am now when he died. And I remember six months or so, man, I just harbored that thing. I didn't get it. And you can call it whatever you want to call it, man. I was bitter about it, angry about it, frustrated about it, whatever you want to do. And I'm at a meeting down the south of me down there, and I'm supposed to be preaching, man. And I'm sitting there, boy, and I'm just, I'm frustrated. And the Lord said, do you ever think about thanking me for that? Thanking you for taking my daddy? That's a big mountain to climb, boy. Boy, I started down that aisle, man, and I got down there to that old Mourner's bench. There's a church there that had a Mourner's bench. They used to have those back in the day, years ago. It's like they got something from the old Methodist there. It's just like a pew up front with no back on it. I knelt down across that uh, Mourner's bench there, and boy, I mean like an egg under a giant's heel. Man, the tears started running off my cheeks, man, and I sort of, and I couldn't get it out and I couldn't get it out and then finally I said thank you now I gotta tell you to this day I have no idea at all if anything changed I just know that he wanted me to be thankful and I had to trust that he knew what I what he was doing better than what I needed I'm not a spiritual giant ladies and gentlemen but that's what he did with me personally he said, do I do everything well? You ever put a question mark there? Lord, how's cancer? Well. How's death? Well. How's prodigals? Well. How's divorce? Well. How's financial ruin? Well. All things well? Yes, sir, Lord, you do all things well. i got to take myself beside that leper. Because things have happened in my life and thunder showers have come in my life that have driven me closer to Jesus, not further away. And in the darkest hours of those midnights that have come by are the times where the Lord shows up and everybody else is out and gone and around. You can't get answers out of them. I mean, they're running like roaches when the lights come on and the Lord sit down there with you and talk to you and spend time with you and you learn things about Him in trouble that you can't learn any other time. Those times of trouble become special times. They're private times. But when was the last time? Now think about it. When was the last time that you just had a good praise the Lord service? When's the last time you just thanked the Lord and bragged on Jesus for a while? Not even publicly, ladies and gentlemen. Not even at a revival meeting. When's the last time you started your prayers off by just saying, Lord, I sure appreciate you saving me? And just pause and think about that for a minute. And Lord, thank you for church and Thank you for a Bible. And thank you for a preacher. Thank you for conviction from the Holy Ghost. Thank you for driving me to my knees, Lord, when I'm real proud and haughty, and my shoulders are back, and my head's held high. Thank you, Lord, you allow that trouble to come down, and just like a lumberjack with an axe cuts me down to size. And thank you that when I hit the ground, you're there to catch me. Preacher, what are you talking about? I'm talking about His triumphal entry. The rapture is going to happen here one of these days. I hope one day soon we're going to get caught up together with him. And you're going to go up there and you're going to see the Lord. What are you going to have to say? Lord, I didn't like Miss So-and-So in the church. And I didn't like Brother So-and-So in the church. And I didn't like the way they color the carpet or the color of the pews. And Lord, I you ever think about the things that that fill your mouth instead of thankfulness? If you're busy being thankful, you know what? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how there's not enough room for you to gripe. (laughs) They don't dwell in the same oven together. You ever pause and think about it for just a minute, that if you started off that way and you get up in the morning and you find some good things about your spouse instead of some bad ones? But preacher, the bad's getting getting worse than the good. Come on now. Maybe it's because you accent the bad. I've learned this, I've learned in my life that it's easier for me to see the bad than it is the good. Do you know why? I'm guilty. I've made a habit out of finding the bad. For years, you know what I did? I blamed it on my training. I was paid for 20 years to find people's mistakes. For 20 years, I was not paid to point out good things in people. I never wrote a single ticket for people obeying the speed limit. I was trained to find bad behavior. You know what happened? I became a pastor. You know what's easy for me to see? Bad behavior. You know what I had to do? He had to put me back through a training school. And he had to teach me to start looking for good behavior. And to learn to be grateful. And to learn to be kind and gentle and easy to be entreated and learn to have the fruits of the Spirit instead of the ability to just be able to find out the bad. Can I ask you this? I'm going to turn it over to your pastor. When was the last time you just took some time and gave God glory by telling Him, Lord, thank you. Ebenezer Stone. Look back. God had not done anything for you. I wouldn't do it. Don't put on a show. But if God's done something for you, you know what you should do? You should give God the only thing He can't do for Himself. You say, God can do everything. He can't do what I'm about to tell you. It ain't have nothing to do with, can He make a rock so big He can't move? It's none of that foolishness. You know what it is? He can't say thank you to Himself. He requires you to do that. You know what gives Him glory in heaven? You know what those angels see? And you know what irritates the stew out of the devil? Is when God's people, in spite of trouble, problems, difficulties, jail cells, and everything else that goes with it, they get up there and they line up like the triumphal entry. You know what they say? Lord, thank you for helping me. And every one of those, and i got ten more. I'm not going to hit them tonight. But every one of those individuals, they're looking back on what God did. I'm talking about tonight looking back. Not spend so much time in the present or what might happen in the future looking back. Let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we come to a close of this service tonight, that we might all pause and literally take pause to recognize that we're very slow to be grateful. The Bride of Christ, the people that have been given more than in any other dispensation, we're very slow to say thank you. We're so caught up with the complaints, the consumption of the world and the attitude of the world that's just built on complaining and complaining and griping and complaining and complaining that we cease to think about how good you have been to us. Help us tonight here in a small town of Monticello, gathered here at Calvary Baptist Church to honor you by us taking the time to bow at your feet and just say, Lord, thank you for what you did for me. We pray you'll bless this time. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.